members of the OG army get those wallets unfolded. Coming up next on the other ground live stage, prepare for an eargasm by Passive J and Big Dalton. Good afternoon, and welcome to yet another edition of Other Ground Live. I'm mm -hmm. Passive J. That's Big Dalton over there. Say hello, Ryan. Ladies and gentlemen, it is June the 14th. It is a Sunday. We have a guest, which means I don't have to talk today. How's it going, Jay? <laughs> You're still going to have to talk. I am very happy to announce the return of the Southpaw Outlaw. It's our good friend, Serena Jesus. How are you doing, Serena? I'm doing all right. I'm enjoying my Sunday. Um, you know, about to get a, mat, a, a nap after this in and, you know, get ready for the week ahead. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you taking time to do the show. I know you have a pretty busy schedule. Uh, so how have you been? What's oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've been doing all right. I mean, I've been, you know, with all this craziness going on, I've been working on my own stuff, prepping for my next fight. And I'm also working a lot with my friend Roxanne Mataferi, who has her fight coming up next week here in Vegas against Lauren Murphy. So oh. we've been working together a lot on that. And even tomorrow, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be going in there bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, helping her out with some grappling. I imagine you have to be very happy about the gym finally reopening. Oh, I'm happy. I mean, it's not like when the gym was closed, I stopped training. I mean, I was out in the in the park working with my Muay Thai coach, Marvin the Beastman Eastman, for all the old heads in MMA who know that. Um, and I've been also working with my strength and conditioning coach, Lorenzo Pablica, in his backyard. I mean, I'm outside so much. I actually look Puerto Rican now because of how tan I've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been uh, following on your Twitter and stuff, uh, your training. And, uh, is it? Do you think you're... But obviously, it can't be as effective as being in the gym. Uh, but on the other hand, it's, no one else has had their gym available until recently. So I guess it's still a fairly even uh, playing field. Yeah, it's something that you just kind of had to adapt and do. Like, it sucks not being able to, like, hit my friends in the face. But now that I'm back in there, I mean, I get to to use and apply all the new skill sets I've, I've learned under Marvin. And it's paying off. I mean, everybody in the gym is like, damn, Serena, your game got... 75 to 90 percent better i'm like oh shit okay <laughs> well that is a pretty good resource to be able to tap into you're not going to find a much better uh, person to show you that kind of stuff i would imagine oh 100 like the way the things that marv teaches like you see the payoffs like with julian marquez for example who's another um who works with marv here and again like he went from not being able to throw a kick then you see his you see his kick on um, the Dana White contender series where he just like almost kicks this dude's head in the fucking stands. And a lot of that has to go, has to work with Marv because just how Marvin breaks things down is my learning style. And mm. honestly, I love this dude to death. He's like a big, awesome uncle to me. So my last Invicta fight, I need another quarter man besides Roxanne. And I didn't know who I could get. And I've been in Marvin's classes before. They're great, but I didn't think we had like that much of a bond. But on three weeks' notice, he stepped up and we worked together. And then he came out to Kansas City to corner me. And I went from like my normal striking style, just unleashing elbows, unleashing knees, and doing all sorts of stuff. So it's made a huge change in my gameplay. I'm really grateful to him all the way around. And it's always nice when uh, all your hard work pays off and you can tell the difference. It's pretty motivating, I would imagine. 
Mm-hmm. I just can't wait for the I know that Invicta has a card in September. I am looking forward to that. I'm just hoping that the regulations that Invicta's put forth are going to be a little less restrictive. Here's to hoping, fingers crossed, because right now what Invicta is doing is they are allowing only one corner man to come out. And yes, they're doing the testing, but things like cutting weights is going to be extremely difficult because I remember before this thing got really, uh, really real in March, I was out um, trying to get my supplies. I'm like trying to get my prepackaged hard-boiled eggs, trying to get my coconut water. They're all sold the fuck out. I'm like, really? Y'all were so ass lazy. You couldn't just get the regular eggs and just boil them yourselves. And <laughs> just imagine now the weight that certain gyms are still closed. So some of the fighters can't use saunas for weight cutting, you know, and now people are going to be stuck in those tiny bathtubs in the hotel. Like, I'm not going to put one corner man with me cutting weight. I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit of a bitch when I'm cutting weight. I mean, I'm hungry. <laughs> I haven't had anything to drink for a day. You know, that's how it is. So I'm not going to do that. And especially if they, they put it on short notice, they feel like July 2nd. I'm like, oh, come on. Now if they put it July 31st or something, I would have been ready to go. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, and it's it's surprising. Uh, me and Dalton have talked about it quite a few times uh, with the UFC cards. Uh how you're seeing the same people fight like three or four weeks later because they're having so much trouble finding people to willing to actually fight with these, you know, kind of fucked up uh, fight camps that they have to go through. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess my but question to it, you is kind of how it, it is. <laughs> yeah. It, like if Invicta started, had a, a card, had a, uh, emergency card next week and asked you if you wanted to fight, would you be able to do it? Sure, but it wouldn't be a bantamweight. I mean, I'm not fat. I've actually been staying in relatively good shape, just building more muscle. So because I've been building more muscle, I'm a bit more dense, mm. not just in the head either, but, you know. <laughs> but, I I mean, I think this is actually the most opportune time for a lot of fighters to test the water in a weight class above them just to see what it's like and not mm. die fucking cutting weight. I'm honestly really tired of all of us looking like dehydrated sponge up square pants is being on the scale. For example, let's look at Jessica. I at her weigh-ins on Friday. Oh that my. was, that wasn't great. That really wasn't. And no. And it was just like when he was, when she was saying, I can't stand up. It's like, how are we letting that happen? But yeah, it happened yeah. and we saw what happened. So there yeah, it is. She, yeah, she, <laughs> so, she didn't really. So, do you ahead, believe sorry. she was only a quarter pound over? With all the stories out there about her being three to four pounds over. Maybe. I mean, at the end of the day, she was a quarter pound over. I mean, they brought up the hoop of shame, and it, that's what it was. But it wouldn't surprise me that they were expecting her to be off that that much, and then she cut it. It's still kind of unsafe to do, like. We all have our walking weights we have to stay at. Like, I try to stay at 155 so I can cut it to 135 safer. While there's some girls in my division right now, they are not at, at that weight. Some of them even publicly have said, oh, I'm in my, I'm like at least 170s. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to shame anybody. I mean, I understand how it is, but it's still fucking bewildering to my ass. Do you think well, anything of fights in a row? Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you that, think oh my god, this one, this one person's making me crack up. That fight was more boring than dinner with the Trudeaus. I mean, I'm not Canadian. I wouldn't know, but <laughs> I can imagine that. So <laughs> that actually cracked now, me up. <laughs> now, do you think there's anything to the theory that she grabbed hold of the towel to try to remove weight? Oh, there always is that, but I 
from my angle when I was seeing it, I couldn't see it. But like, we've had some weird instances with weigh-ins going weird. Like, let's look at Macy Barber when she weighed in against Roxanne Mataferi. Mm-hmm. The video is like if the scale was if the little thing was tilted up, or what she was like not making weight, or if it's tilted down or in the middle of something like that. I forget how that particular scale worked. But you see she wasn't dead on the middle of the scale, and then she looked surprised when she made the weight. So I'm like, uh-huh. Yep, I know exactly this what This is weird, but, yeah. but it doesn't and matter because we're going to eat that ass anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> and didn't, didn't I think someone, th- at least someone, a couple people pointed out like she had her elbow resting on someone at one point, or she might have been, it might have been the angle. And, and you are right. I saw a couple uh, memes about pointing out uh, that the scale was not even. You know, it was like it, was, uh, it showed that she was still a little hot. Uh, a little over not so much that it bo- uh, bottom out or topped out the uh, scale because like you i can't remember which way it goes um but it was definitely not even yeah it, and here's the thing like i'm not going to shit on another fighter really per se like that without knowing everything in detail but at the end of the day this responsibility falls on the nevada state athletic commission to do the weighing regulations right but if you look at Nevada State Athletic Commission law, they also kind of have this clause within their rule set. It's like, we'll ignore this rule anyways. Like, for example, one of the rules in their claw- in their book, shout out to Eric um, from Combat Sports Law, who is one I, of my sponsors. And as you can imagine, this is his neck of the woods, knowing the laws <laughs> regarding combat sports, where Nevada has these things like they'll pull a fighter if they don't if they're not healthy or they don't meet the requirements but yet with jessica i saying i don't think i can stand much longer if that's not a red flag of a fighter not being healthy i mean i don't know what it is but like i said this shit's gonna happen no matter what and i've just kind of i'm just kind of pessimistic about any positive change right right i mean they also let kevin lee walk out there with like a parent staff right Uh, the staff infection oh my god yeah Oh, that was so nasty. It's like, dude, I mean, I had ringworm happen to me like a week before my fight, but I'm not a little bitch. So I actually took bleach on a cotton ball and I held it on there until it burned off and bled to death, basically. So when the doctors asked me in my fight, like, why do I have this mark on my forearm? I'm like, oh, I just cooked bacon and the grease came and got me. And they're like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, it's not, I mean... It's a ma- for me. It's a matter of integrity. I mean, not everybody's going to carry themselves like me, but like if I have something that can be infectious to somebody, I'm not going to do it. Even if it's my opponent, I'm not going to just walk in there and give them ringworm because that's just kind of bullshit. That's a gift you don't want to keep on giving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's yeah, you know, like you said, it's a matter of respect thing. You know, uh, it's one thing to want to beat mm-hmm. your opponent. It's another thing you don't want to infect them. Yeah, I mean, ringworm isn't you know, the end all be all like, it's not a dangerous skin condition, but it's a very, you know, contagious pain in the ass. Like I hate it. Like I've never had it before until I started like, you know, having drier skin being out here in the desert. Then I had to like take Mm. some steps like, okay, moisturize a bit more. And then we're all good to go. (laughs) Right. That's right. Cause you're originally from Philly, I believe. Correct. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Is it, is uh, Vegas that much different than Philly? Oh, 100%. Like, it's not as connected because in Philadelphia, we have, you know, regional rail, we have subways, we got buses that run that are like every 15 minutes out here with the RTC or the Regional Transportation uh, Center, whatever they call it. The buses are like every 30 minutes on a weekday. 
right. on a weekend, it's, you miss a bus, you're waiting outside for an hour. And that's all they have so far are buses. Right. Eh, right Vegas yeah. is all right. I like it. It's a little smaller. I just still miss all the stuff to do in Philadelphia. That's all. Right, right. Because, yeah, it, once you run out of touristy things to do in Las Vegas, you're pretty much done, I guess. Oh, there's touristy stuff in Philadelphia, too. Like, I would love walking. Every time I walk past the art museum, I see people running up the stairs. I'm like, tourists. <laughs> 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 they go into Pat and Gino's. I'm like, tourists. Just scoff at them. <laughs> yeah, see, living here I in was Detroit, one of those. you don't see a lot of people doing that. I don't. Detroit is not exactly a huge tourist destination. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, you got anything you want to uh, specific? You want to ask Serena while she's here? Specifically, not really. I'm just kind of taking this conversation where it goes, Jay. So you, uh, uh, you have at it. Well, no, I mean, I, all this I have conversation is 100 percent certified organic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I do. I have all the topics that we normally talk about here, but it seems like a waste. Uh, when we have uh, Serena here to talk about the stupid COVID stuff or the protests. Well, I mean, I don't know, Serena. You want to talk about some of the current events of today? Oh Jesus. It's just, yeah, I know. That's kind of how I feel people, about it. People are going crazy. Yeah. I mean, we have people here in Vegas like trying to set off Molotov cocktails and shit with the Boogaloo boys. We got fucking fist fights happening on the street. I mean, this shit is wild. I'm just, and I just don't want no part of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I appreciate, you know, I'm cool with people peacefully protesting and shit and making their voices heard, but I'm not about to be out there catching that Rona. There's plenty of other advocacy works I could do from mm -hmm. the way I do it best. Right. Okay, exactly. Slide Dog asked me a good question. Yes, I'm single. And um, being a female <laughs> fight on the dating scene is very it's very weird. Um, first off, never go on Snapchat as a fighter because that shit is like Olympic Village. I fucking hated it and I uninstalled it just for that reason. Second off, um, it's really weird because it's almost cliche for a male fighter to have a wife or a girlfriend doting on them and wishing them the best and supporting them. But the roles are different when it's a guy, you know, dating a female fighter, unless the guy is actively within a comp, you know, a, you know, something like boxing or wrestling or even any other high contact sports that require a lot of discipline and time, such as football, or you know, then, it's weird. Like I once had a guy like this is a decade ago. This is how far back. This is just how horrible dating was for me. And long story short, he was intimidated by how I trained and what I could do. And he tried to make me drop my training. He's like, oh, you spend all your time training. And I'm like, yeah. Meanwhile, I'm the one who takes the train to see you while your mommy and daddy pay for your car, your insurance and your fancy college. Pardon me. <laughs> and <laughs> and it just got to the point where I'm like, all right, I'll drop all my training and spend extra time with you, even though I take at least two days out of my entire week to see you. And he's like, oh, really? You're the best girlfriend ever. And then there's me. I was like, bitch, that was a test. And you failed. Bye. And I just left him right there, walked out the door. I was not playing <laughs> with that shit. Yeah, and I guess it's weird help. for a guy. Like, I wish I did. He kind of deserved it, Dragunov. But um, what? it's just weird. It's just like, I'm very big and supportive and loving. I'm sensitive as shit. Like I'd rather have my labrum torn again than to have my heart broken. Dead serious. And but it's just like because it's the women fighting. Like I guess guys feel emasculated. Like hey, I bet your girlfriend could kick your ass or some shit. I'm like, 
What does that matter? I, here's my opinion. I should not be laying, nor any woman should be laying hands on a man unless my life is in danger or it's a male sparring partner. And that's the end of the day. Like, I hate when women do these whole call outs about, like, Kayla Harrison saying, oh, I could be Habib Nurmagomedov. Why would you want to do that? Because here's the thing. Like, if the guy wins, he's going to be, everyone's like, oh, you're a little bitch. You beat a girl. Fuck you. But like, if you, if a girl wins, then the guy gets like shit. I'm like, hey, you got beat by a girl. You're, it's like a lose-lose for a dude. So I'm just like, why would you fucking do it? <laughs> right. Why put him in a position like that? And you know, I don't, exactly. understand how guy, I don't understand how some guys are like that. One of my fondest memories was uh, a couple years ago when I hung out with you, uh, Roxy and Ariel, uh, after, and we were walking around and stuff and I was just waiting for a motherfucker to start something. I go, this will be the funniest fucking fight ever. I won't have to lift a finger. These girls will wipe them the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. spent the entire, I mean, that's I, I, the I best thing. Challenge, yeah. I wanted to start challenging other tables yeah, at dinner. Like, Hey, you, yeah, you, <laughs> you suck. Come over here and do something about it. <laughs> Now, the best thing is, is because Roxy looks so unassuming and I, for the most part, look unassuming. They'll think we're like a bunch of couple, bunch of fucking nerds reading our comic books and shit. Then the hoodie comes off for me and then they see how well-defined I am and they're like, ah, shit. <laughs> yeah, Roxy's not looking that uh, unassuming lately, huh? I know. I'm so proud of her. You know, she's been, she's been getting lean and toned. But Lorenzo's done wonders for her. Like, I'm getting more built as fuck, hence the hashtag big green energy that I put on. It's for real, because when you, even last week, and if you look at us side by side, like, Roxy's jacked, but I'm just like, I got them gains. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> but that's you were, the difference between off. bantam weights and feather and flyweights, right, you know? Right, right, right. You started off ahead of her as well. So, yeah. <laughs> so you had a jump start, mm. so to speak. Yeah. But she's made leaps and bounds yeah, in improvement. Kind of she actually. Yeah, <laughs> she. I mean, she's. Uh, I'm. I. I actually feel a little bit sorry for Lauren. I have no clue how she's going to possibly win that fight. Now, the the one avenue people used to have. Lauren's for, a good their, specimen. Yeah. Oh, she's she, smart, and she's she's also a physical specimen of her own. Like mm. I fucking hate that they have to fight each other because I'm cool with Lauren. Like everybody shits on Lauren for stuff, but I'll tell you what. Out of the goodness of her heart, she sent me a T-shirt because she knows I'm a big fucking fan of Godzilla, right? And it was Godzilla and a gi with the caption Guardzilla, and she sent that to me. Oh, and sweet. when I was getting ready for my last Invicta fight, she knew one of the girls that was fighting, and she was telling me how to beat her and what to do and how she was rooting for me. And so, yeah, Lauren, I think she gets unnecessary hate, especially for her time on the show when she switched teams, because I also relate to that. I remember leaving my first gym because my coach was kind of – being a little much, we just couldn't get along. And I'm just like, okay, I got to bow out of this. And when I did, I had a phone call with him. I talked about it and it seemed all cool only to find out like a day later, like he made this bullshit ass chapter of a book post, basically trashing me for no reason. And the only reason I knew about it is because a teammate screenshot me. He, the guy blocked me from seeing it. If that's not a pussy ass bitch move, I don't know what else is. And it's very <laughs> ironic because he always touted how manly he was. And then he up and pulled that on me on a 20 year old. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. So when I can understand if Lauren wanted to leave an environment that she didn't feel was great for her and go somewhere else. But everybody was just shitting on her for that. And then that bullshit article that um, 
one of the writers at MMA Junkie, I think it was MMA Junkie did, where they made Laura, where it made it look like Lauren said that Eddie Alvarez, Eddie Alvarez hates women, which was not what he, what she said. And then the guy came and apologized with it. But like, it, still the damage was done and it put Lauren mm-hmm. in, the, in the defensive for a while until all that came out. It's just, she's got some shit luck when it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, people should know by now, uh, the ultimate fighter is not an, a really accurate portrayal of who people are. Uh, there's so much editing involved to tell the story that the producers want to tell as opposed to the reality sometimes. But most people don't think about that. What they see on TV is what they think is true. Yeah, basically. But then again, let's look at the collective IQ of MMA Twitter and MMA media sometimes. It's almost like the collective <laughs> IQ of a fucking potato. You know, I mean, there are exceptions to the rules, but let's just be real here for a second. Like, for example, I got some shit yesterday because I was fucking happy that Marvin Vitarelli, I, I forget his last name, um, won his fight. And it was fucking awesome. I think he is a really good fighter. But then he just ruined the post high of me seeing him whoop some ass when he's like, oh, I'm just really fucking autistic when I try my wait, whoa, 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 what? And that kind of irked me. I'm just like, he could have, he could have seen, he could have said any other way to describe his amazing work ethic, but he veered to that word for that thing. He could have just called himself a warrior monk, which I honestly think he was because of how dedicated he was. Because I too have had five back to back opponents fall out. But I think the worst thing that fell out of my mouth was I called the girls who dropped a pussy. And because we're women, I mean, that's okay, I guess, because we have pussies. If we didn't, we'd be asking some questions, you know? So, <laughs> so I was just – everyone's like – but there are some people who are like, oh, you're trying to get him canceled. I'm just like, no, I'm not trying to get him canceled. I'm just saying he put his fucking foot in his mouth, and he should just watch out for that fo- social faux pas again just not do it. That's all. Yeah, it's so, possible to call out somebody's attitude without trying to get them fired from their job. Uh, you know, it's perfectly acceptable. No, I, I want to see him like succeed. Right. Yeah, well, I want to see him succeed. I'm like just that. saying it's not your word. Yeah. yeah. If you right, ain't autistic, like, it just ain't your word. I, I'm 7% black and I don't say the N-word. Meanwhile, Mike Perry is just 2% black and says the N-word all the time. So i'm just like okay it's like if it's not your word it's just not your fucking word you know you should know better (laughs) were you gonna say ryan i was just gonna say especially in a situation like that you can't be overly hard on a guy being that he's still out there with like all the hormones rushing and just having the adrenaline dump of having a fight that he's been looking forward to for god knows how long yeah there's also nothing wrong with correcting someone which is what I see that mm-hmm. being. Yeah. And that's what yeah. it was. It wasn't me saying, oh, he's a piece of shit. Oh, fuck this guy. Or he deserves to be. Can-. No, I'm not into that cancel bullshit. I'm just saying, hey, man, time out. Let's just not do that again. That's all. Right, right. And as far as Mike Perry being 2% black so he can use the N word like he, he thinks he can. Really, if you're only 2% black, you can use like like the, half the N, just the first letter. You don't get the whole word. You get 2% of the word. So you can go. Mm-hmm. All right. That's so, what he gets. so the <laughs> other percentages are because I just got I actually did my DNA test mostly because I want to do this geno palette thing for my dieting and stuff. But um, the other parts of me are Baltics, are Scottish, Irish, um, Indigenous Puerto Rico because I'm half Puerto Rican. Go figure. Um, Central American, 
and Southern American. So that's what is a Baltics, but yeah. So I'm basically a giant, you know, mud all over the place. So, (laughs) but you know, we're not surprised about my uh, half of my genetics coming from Central America and in Puerto Rico. And right. we're not, and on my mom's side, because my mom is white, you know, we're not surprised about the Baltics and the Irish and the Scottish. So, not surprised. <laughs> right. But still good to know for sure. Like, uh, I'd be interested in that. I'll never know. 100%. I mean, I could take it, I could take a genetics test uh, and I'd be interested in it because my dad was adopted. Uh, my, uh, my, my, mm. My last name's Italian, but I am not Italian. His his da- Italian uh, adopted dad, uh, you know, adopted him, and so he took his name. I have no clue what the hell he was. <laughs> uh, it's easier. On yeah, my I mean, side. it's neat. It's neat. It's neat to see, but that wasn't really my main reason why I did the the uh, DNA testing. It's because this whole thing, Genopalette, it tests what your genetics are and what foods and diets are best for you based off of your own genetics. So it's not some, yeah, it's not some bullshit. Like here's this bullshit diet for you to follow. Uh, It's like, no, these are the specific foods and what and specific types you need to eat for your fitness goals. So I was Hmm. all into it because I remember seeing Macy Chiasen, who was originally a featherweight in um, the UFC and she's dropped down to bantamweight. But she's gotten absolutely shredded, and she personally, her and a few other people said it was because of the Geno pad. I'm like, shit, I want to get, I want to get shredded more too. I want to scare the shit out of some girls. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. It, you know, um, I have diet issues myself uh, all the time, so I, that's actually be something I'd be interested in checking out. Uh, where'd you hear of that? Oh, you just told um, me. Like I said, stupid. yeah, the, yeah. Um, I have <laughs> I'm friends with people yeah. who are teammates. It's okay. Yeah. I got friends who are teammates with um, Macy Chiasen. They were saying how well it worked for her. I'm like, these guys can't be wrong. So I'll just give it a shot. I mean, since I already had my DNA test thing done, it just only cost me about like thirty nine dollars for the just to upload my data and just see what they uh, find out. And I'm excited to see what kind of dieting I got to do. So I don't have to hopefully not starve myself anymore when it's, when it's time to cut that weight. I mean, yeah, see, I, it just amazes me uh, that you guys do that on a regular basis. I, uh, had to do a colonostomy a couple of weeks ago. And because of that, oh, uh, no. yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which, which uh, the actual thing wasn't that big deal. It's the prep for it. That sucks. You know, you do, you go through an entire day where you ha- uh, can't eat any real food and you, all you can do is drink liquids. And then you get the test on the next day and you can't eat anything that day at all uh, until after the test is done. And it was like some of the most miserable 36 hours I've ever went through. And then I started thinking about how you guys as fighters basically do the same thing for like a fucking week, basically. I mean, you guys get to eat a little bit, oh, but it's, yeah. extreme. it's pretty extreme. And uh, I would never be able to do that. I, I would just tap out. You know, um, that's what would get me on fighting besides to get the punch in the face thing. Uh, but some of the what, some of the things you guys have to do to maintain and cut your weight, it's it's crazy. It's like watching insane people do stuff, to be honest with you. So for fight week, I'm going to give a basic rundown of what I do. So mm-hmm. by the time fight week rolls around, I cannot have any fucking salt in mm. any of my foods. So I'm bit, me and Mrs. Dash become best friends. So what I do is I make these turkey meatballs with spinach and quinoa on it as, for sustenance. And I eat one of those little ass meatballs every hour because I can Mm. only have three to four ounces of food every hour to keep my metabolism burning, to keep my weight loss going. So a day or two before, like before the weigh-ins, the actual weigh-ins happens the night before 
I'm sweating out about five pounds. At this point, I've been without food for about 24 hours or 12 hours rather. And then water is like not happening. So by the time that I wake up at like 6 a.m., you know, and then I have to go in this Epsom salt bath. So it's a hot ass Epsom salt bath. So for me with my sensory issues, with rapid spikes in temperature or rapid drops, it hurts. It's just how mm. my touch sensitivity is. And I'm literally feeling like the Terminator, thumbs up, going like, dun, 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 as I'm sinking in the, in the Epsom salt bath, <laughs> starving, boiling alive like a fucking lobster, just sweating, trying to sweat these extra five pounds off so I can make weight, which is why I fucking hate weight cutting, you know? Man, but, I didn't realize, like I've, I said, seen, guys, I I've seen people from- do the Epsom salts before. I didn't realize there was a hot bath like that. Oh, yeah, because the salt prevents the water being reabsorbed into your body. So you submerge yourself up to your neck, and then you just sweat it all out. So 30 minutes in the tub, you get out. You have your crew wrap you up like a burrito in towels and blankets to make sure you keep sweating while you're at the tub. And then rinse and repeat, basically, until you've made the weight. And then you just deliriously make yourself go downstairs when it's time to weigh in, weigh in, then just pound the Pedialyte and your fruits and vegetables and try and get back to life. It's horrific. So that's why I also get very, you know, pissy when people make, you know, don't make the weight. It's like if my, if, if my ass can make it with my sensory issues, there's literally no excuse for NTs to not make the weight. Um, okay. Yeah. My only exception though, is if there are a short notice fighter, if they came in short notice, I will give them a pass because they got the balls to step up. Right, right. That's a completely different situation, obviously. There's only so much you can do when you don't have enough time to do it properly. Um, and it's mm-hmm. funny. I My first encounter with uh, uh, weight-cutting issues was watching Season 5 of The Ultimate Fighter with Gabe Rudiger. Uh, and I kind of felt Ooh. bad later on. because It turns out he's actually a pretty cool dude, but you know, that painted him in a pretty bad light. <laughs> yeah, but he was also a goddamn drama what? queen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, I'm a little bit of a bitch myself when it comes to cutting weight, but you know, I'm not. I'm not that horrible. Yeah, you You're also not eating I just, the I just day like, before you have to make weight. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm not that dumb. Thankfully, I mean, uh, I'm getting close. You, I don't have. I don't know if I have too many brain cells to spare, but you know, I'm not that dumb. <laughs> Did you see uh, when uh, Gabe Rudiger fought Joe Lazan, and uh, I think Gabe brought a cake to give to Lazan? Because he had been making jokes about yeah. uh, calling call him Cake Rudiger. <laughs> <That laughs> yeah, I saw that. Was, that. That was. <laughs> oh man, now I'm I, now I'm stepping back in history. Like I just had to teach my 16 year old brother about the joys of Pride Fighting Championship because oh. there's this fighting uh, anime I've been watching, and the entrances, the fighting, and everything is pretty based off of how Pride was. So I feel like I'm a, I need my pacifier or some shit again watching Pride. Like, I'm seeing a young Dan Henderson. I'm seeing Kevin Randleman still alive and shit. I'm seeing a young Crow Cop who is forever my fucking idol. And I'm just like, damn, I'm not having to teach my brother about this. Yeah, and I came into that too late to catch the Pride stuff, except for on reruns and stuff. Season 5 was actually my introduction to uh, uh, MMA in general. I knew about it and seen one or two fights uh but I wasn't really that familiar with it. And I was just clicking through the channels one day and caught the, like the season premiere of season five of the ultimate fighter. I was like, season five, there's 
stuff before this and started watching yeah. it. And I, I just really, I, I was just really entertained by all of it. You know, that was the season of Nate and Gabe and Joe Lazan and yeah. uh, Corey Hill. There's so, you know, so many fun fighters to watch. And I really enjoyed getting to know the fighters because it made it a lot more fun to watch the fights. You might be rooting for them. You might be rooting against them. But once you get to know them as a person, you're interested in their fights quite a bit more. Or at least in my case. I'm about to style on you so fucking hard right now. Now, because I loved my anime and I loved my fighting games like uh, Tekken when I was five years old. And my dad always rented UFC tapes in the store. My first fight was actually watching Gary Goodridge and Paul Herrera. It was the transition to to the crucifix that reminded me of my favorite Tekken character, King. You know, the grappling transition. I'm like, whoa, this is so fucking cool. And I kept watching mixed martial arts from there. So, like I said, I have it's been a big part of my life and I've always watched it whenever I could. You know, right. be it tapes, be it like, you know, finding on the internet, on the DL, you know, shit on like some shitty streams or something like that's been my life. <laughs> yeah, and you know, uh it's the only sport I have ever been interested in. I I could care less about football or basketball or, you know, baseball or any of that stuff cuz it's just a game. Uh MMA and, and the UFC and all that stuff is actual real world skills being applied. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, being able to throw a football really far is never going to get you anywhere outside of playing football. But being able to beat someone up is a, a real world skill that's applicable outside of the sport. Uh, oh, yeah, and okay. I, well, 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 what about curling? Huh? <laughs> yeah, you ever had to sweep a floor? Uh, yeah, what's up now? <laughs> I stand corrected. Uh, but, I never had to sweep the floor and have a disc slide around it, so that's still kind of not – it's not it, buddy. Yeah, it's not, not, not a good analogy. <laughs> I mean, unless oh, I'm man. doing it with my Roomba or some shit. I mean, other than that, I mean, there's really no real-world application for that too. And I'm a big believer in fighting being a real-world application. In fact, this is going to be controversial. I wish we could bring back like – you know, real like if you got a problem with somebody, like a legal fight, like a police or somebody acting as a referee in the middle, you know, you all beat the shit out of each other after a disagreement, shake hands, and be cool with it. But yeah, fighting is fighting is a real life sport. Like I run autistic um, self defense seminars for um, autistic kids and adults because the average age of death for autistics. Guess what it is, guys? Oh God, I'd be afraid to Just guess. Take, probably- take a guess. Um. I couldn't even guess, like uh, 50 or 60 or something. Lower. Try 38. Really? Wow. Now, for people like like myself who are considered low needs, meaning uh, right right now my stuff is mostly physiological, like light, noise, and touch sensitivity are my biggest things. But for people who – for autists who wander – or, you know, other things like that, their life expectancy is low, not because of just wandering and accidents, but normally our, you know, caretakers will kill their autistic, their autistic children. You know, even like, for example, there was a case about that in Florida about a few weeks ago where a woman lied and said that she was robbed, she was carjacked at gunpoint and they took her autistic kid. No, she killed her child. She drowned him in a canal in Florida. Yeah, and said he was in a better place. Like that, those kind of things and those kind of attitudes and are very big on why our life expectancy is so low. And for the low needs people like ourselves, we're overworked having to have one foot in the autistic world and the other foot in the normal world so people and try and suppress our stem so people don't look at us, they kill themselves. 
they will kill themselves. Like I'm not gonna kill myself if if someone kill if I'm dead. That means I got suicided by Hillary or some shit by that. But I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but that's the common reality. And if I can give them some self defense skills to protect themselves from people trying to kill them, then you know what? I can sleep better at night. And hmm. that's what I like to do. Yeah, you know that's it's always good to give back to the community. I don't do any of that because uh, I'm lazy and self absorbed. Um, but mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me in the least bit that you do that. You know, ever since I've met you, you've always been such a super nice, awesome person. Uh, and it's, it was surprising, uh, actually. I I myself have trouble meeting people. Um, obviously, I do well speaking when I can't see a person, but face to face conversations and things like that make me really uncomfortable. And the entire time that I was planning out the trip to go visit you guys the first time, I wasn't sure if I could do it. Um, meeting new people, especially people that were, you know, you guys, because basically you guys were celebrities to me when I, when, when we first started uh, talking to each, talking to you. Uh, so it was, uh, it, it, it was very stressful for me. And if you, you and Roxy had not been such awesome people, I don't think I could have done it. I don't think I would have went. I would have said, you know, thanks. I have to cancel. Uh, but obviously after meeting you and, and uh, Roxy as well, um, you guys were able to put me at ease and, uh, now I can go visit you whenever I want and not feel weird about it. <laughs> is awesome. that, is, is um, autism like that in certain cases? I mean, I know it's different for a lot of people. Uh, like, uh, have you ever had any issues meeting new people and making it uncomfortable? Oh, I still do. Like, I still have problems like, you know, going out and about, like I had a guy ask me out for lunch, fingers crossed. This is going to be something cool. Um, but yeah, it's hard for me to meet people. Like, I'm very much a homebody because, like, here's the thing. With gym, with the gym and training, I always have that guarantee that any drama or unneeded bullshit will filter itself out the doors. I don't have that I don't have that guarantee in the real world. People are right. shady, and it's hard to guess their intentions. So I'm, like, I'm really, really reserved with who they are. Anyways, also to answer somebody's question, if you want to donate to an autistic organization, I would highly recommend either Fighting for Autism, which is what I'm an I'm ambassador to, or the Autism Self-Advocacy Network. So if you guys want to do that, that's where you can um, go donate and do stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, for me, social skills, I have them, but I'm just a social anxiety wreck with it. Like if you met me at 13 though, when I was first diagnosed with autism, it would have been night and day. You probably wouldn't have recognized me from how I how I acted, you know, how I would stim and all that. I had a case manager who, alongside with my family, would help me kind of learn how to people, you know, mm, in society. Right. And I had that, and I had her until I was 20 years old, where I met all my social goals and stuff. So I'm 28. So I've been without a case manager who was basically a Jiminy Cricket on my shoulder for eight years, but. In those eight years, I've made such magnificent strides and gains. And honestly, I do accredit that to mixed martial arts because it gives you a sense of community. It makes it feel like you're not always, you know, you're not all alone. And here's the thing. I can I can be focused on a task and not have people look at me funny for it. Because guess what? Everybody in the gym are hyper-focused on the same damn task. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, that would be a great comfort to, to basically you're with a group of people that are all all striving for the same goal that you are, uh, it would make a pretty good sense of community, I imagine. Mm-hmm. And I love it. You know, e- even if there's a few dickheads and stuff in there, but we all know there's dickheads and idiots in every profession right, we right, all right. get into, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now, every uh, 
for every uh, UFC event that uh, we uh, that comes up, we often do fight picks for it and discuss the fights. You want to do that? You want to look at the next event and, and let's uh, do it. it. All right, all right. Well, I'm going. Uh, uh, Ryan, you normally the one are the one who uh, goes over the fight card stuff. You want to do that? You sure you don't well, want to try to uh, say these names? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I let me go ahead and pull it up. All right, yeah. Yeah, uh, apparently I'm not so good at uh, pronouncing names as I thought I was. Actually, I knew I was shitty at it, and apparently it's uh, so bad that they don't even want me to do it anymore. Ryan does it now. <laughs> well, no, it's entertaining Dad, look, if, if, look, if you were able to pronounce my last name, I have some faith in you. So come on, for, for, for the gram, for the social media, let's do it. Come on. Okay, well, I, I, I will, I'll try, but it's not going to last long. I'm going to pass it out. Okay, well, you'll see, let's see how bad it is. Okay, the bottom of the card, I don't know if this if this fight is in order as far as it goes. We always go from the preliminaries on up. Is our friend Roxy versus Lauren Murphy. That one's obviously we all know who we're picking on that. Absolutely. Um, so we won't even need to go over that. Yep, yep. Okay, next up would nope. be <laughs> Frank Camacho versus Matt, Matt Frivola. Is that how you say that? Pretty no, that's yeah, nice. that's right. You did it. Yay. Hooray. Okay. Um, I'm going with Camacho with um with him. I'm going to go with him. He's got an interesting I mean, nickname. He's always, he's, the... he's always he's the what? The crank? Yeah, yeah. I know. Isn't it great? <laughs> I I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Ryan? Who you got on that one? Uh, yeah, I'll go Frivola. All right, I'm going to go with the crank as well, just because I like his nickname. <laughs> All right, next up would be uh, Jillian Robertson versus Courtney Casey. Ooh, that's a good one, but I'm going to go with Casey here. Yeah, I, I am as well. Her last fight was pretty impressive, actually. How about mm-hmm. you, Ryan? That's exactly yeah, why. She, she's coming off a win not too long ago. God, that was, what, like three weeks ago? Yeah. So, yeah, she, mm-hmm. she should be able to follow that up. All right. Next up, oh Jesus, Mark Andre Ball or Bar Bar Bar. It's Bar Bar. You know, yeah. I'm going with my homie. I'm oh, you know this Bar. <laughs> oh yeah, him and his girlfriend come to Syndicate a lot, and his girlfriend's really nice to me too. So they're they're cool. I like the I like those guys. All right. Uh, he's fighting Oscar Pichota. I think I might have said that one right. I think that's yeah. Think? I think you said it right too. All right, who you got, Ryan? Uh, I don't really know either fighter, so I guess I'll go Barry Alt. Uh, yep, I'm gonna go with Power Bar as well. Okay, hey. damn it, why can't I say this lady's name? I, I'm actually a fine never. It's okay. Therese. Uh, Tisha. Yeah, Therese. Tisha. Tisha. Thank you. It doesn't look like it should be Tisha. Tisha Torres versus Brianna Von Buren. Who do you got there, Serena? Oh, man, that's going to be good because I saw – I was there live when Brianna Van Buren won the, the 115 um, Invicta Rising Tournament um, or Phoenix Rising Tournament for Invicta, and she just she just was a little monster when she just – I just took over everybody and just smothered them to death. But Tisha Torres lives up to her nickname of the Tiny Tornado. She is a monster. So this is a definite grappling – versus striking kind of fight, but I'm going to lean toward Torres for this one. But I do mm. respect the fuck out of Van Buren. 
Hmm. This is a hard one for me because I like Torres, but looking at the uh, this little record thing, she's lost her last four in a row. Oh wow! Which yeah, surprises she the hell has. Me. Yeah, because I like her. I thought she. I always thought she was funny on the episode of Ultimate Fighter on the season of Ultimate Ultimate Fighter that she was on. So, but I'm gonna go with her as well. I think she's gonna turn it around. Uh, how about you, Big Dalton? Yeah, I'll go Torres. You're talking about how she has four losses in a row. I three of those were against champions. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, look mm-hmm. at it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's not oh. like she was, you know, out there losing to bums. Um, not that anyone necessarily is a bum at this level, but yeah, there's still levels within that. I'll go Torres. All righty. Next up, one of my favorite fighters, Clay Guida, is fighting versus Bobby Green. Oh shit! My older, you know, male clone. What? <laughs> no, no lie. There's actually a pic. I actually saw him in the the last. UFC Expo they had here in Las Vegas in 2014, and we were both wearing hats, and our hair, my hair was cur- is curly, so, and I saw him with his curly hair, and we took a picture. It was like, all you can hear is Mike Goldberg in the in the background, like, virtually identical. <laughs> oh, and by the way, your Spanish clone in the comment section is cracking me the fuck up, so just thought I'd point that out. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not, I was looking at the uh, fights as opposed to the chat box, uh, so I'm <laughs> uh, I, I also I, do I don't both. speak Spanish, so <laughs> so I guess it's really, I guess I should probably well, go back. That sucks. <laughs> who do you? So who do you got for the fight? Clay or Bobby Green? Who's actually got some experience as well? I'm, I'm always I can't I can't root against Clay. I have to stay with him. He's a he's an OG man. I can't look. Ask me to root against him is almost blasphemy. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to pick him as well. But man, he's been fighting forever, right? Ever since I was little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bobby Green, although I haven't heard heard of him in quite a while. Uh, looking at his record, loss in two, November 2019. Well, yeah, he's 1-5-1 five and one in his last seven, so ah, not, right, not so right. Yeah, he's no there. slouch. Yeah. 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 So who so, you yeah, got, just, Dalton? Yeah, just based on that, probably Guida. He's shown more recently right. than, than Green. Right. All right. Next up, Jim Miller. Oh, wow. Uh, that's one of those fighters oh, where I, I, yeah, I love to watch him fight, but I kind of wish he would retire, you know, cause I like him that much. I, I, yeah. I think I, I'd like to see him like move on to not getting hit in the face eventually versus Roosevelt <sighs> Roberts. Hmm. I don't think I've heard of Roosevelt Roberts and that's probably, that's on me, but I'm going to stick, I'm going to stick with Miller. Cause like I said, rooting for, I always like to root for the guys who've been in there like for the longest because I just there's something satisfying about seeing the old line still being able to hang in there. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. That's who I'm going with too. Uh, how about you, uh, Ryan? I'm 100% behind Roosevelt Roberts. He's the guy that beat that uh, choked out that fucking dog abusing piece of shit Brock Weaver like three weeks ago. Oh. Hey. Okay, I kind of want to change my vote. I didn't realize that was the same dude. Yeah, he was pretty good, dude. He took that. He took it to that dude. Oh, he did. Yeah, so he, really, he's got I, my vote. Now that like, I know that's him. Forward. Oh yeah. Yeah, you too. I mean, I'm still with Miller, too. but I like that other. No, I'm not changing my vote, but I still like respect the fuck out of that guy. Right, right. <laughs> Next up, Lyman Good versus uh, Belial Muhammad. Is that how you say it? It's actually a pretty guy named Close. Yeah. Good job. Hey. Hey, well, mostly because he's got the stupidest nickname ever. His nickname is Remember the Name. <laughs> oh, God. Although, well, on the other hand... No coconut bombs. Yeah, that's the best MMA nickname ever. Uh, on the other hand... Lyman I know, Good's I think is, that's pretty sweet. 
Yeah. On the other hand, Lyman Good's nickname is Cyborg, which makes him like the eighth cyborg uh, fighting in an MMA. So neither of them have cool nicknames. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Muhammad, actually. I think he's got more heat going behind him. Me too. And he's got more experience. Yeah. And uh, how about you, uh, Big Dalton? Yeah, same here. I got Bilal Muhammad in that one. All right. Next up, Rachel Pennington versus... Uh, Raquel Pennington? You oh, mean Raquel? I'm about oh, to yeah, say, Raquel, wait, yeah. what? Yeah, yeah, Raquel oh, yeah. That, that one I could have got, yeah. Uh, versus, I'm sorry, I was so distracted by the uh, second name, which I'm not going to be able to pronounce. Uh, Marion Renew? Renew. Oh, yeah, you're good. Oh, close enough. <laughs> he's, he's learning. He's learning. Okay. We'll give him credit there. Oh, let's see. Um, looking at their records, they got comparable for the last four fights. Um, both of them have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Raquel, I think. How about you? Serena. I'll lean toward Raquel as well. All right. Uh, Ryan. Yeah. Pennington really only loses to champions or former champions. And Renault is not in that category. So mm. let's go uh, Rocky. All right. And in the co-main event, we've got Josh Emmerich versus Shane Burgos. I'm going to want Burgos on this one. Yeah, once again, they both have pretty similar records. Uh, Josh is 15 and 2, Burgos is 13 and 1. So basically the same record. Uh, looking at their mm-hmm. wins, yeah, Burgos has got a win versus Cub Swanson. That's big right there. Um, 100%. Yeah, and looking at. Uh, and and he's just a scrappy dude. So I'm like all for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring I think the I, violence. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Burgos as well. How about you, uh, Ryan? Yeah, I still can't get the image of. Uh, Jeremy almost killing Josh Emmett out of my head. So I'm going to have to go Burgos. <laughs> yeah, that was not a good fight for him. Uh, and the main event, Curtis Blades versus Alexander Volkov. Oh, this is great. Um, shit, I want to go with Volkov, but Blades has been tearing through people. So I'm going to lean toward Blades for this one. But, oh, my God, that's going to be such a beautiful slugfest. And someone's going to drop. I'm going to love it. They're going to drop faster than a newborn giraffe, and I'm here for it all day. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a hard one to pick as well. But I'm, I think I'm going to go with Blades because the only person he's lost to recently recently is Francis. I'm going to hit you in your face, and you'll die. Uh, and I can't pronounce his last name. Ninganu. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's the only guy he's lost to recently. So I'm going to go with Blades. Uh, how about you, Ryan? Yeah, Blades has been putting it together. Um, obviously, he's got a, a great wrestling pedigree, decent on his feet. And Volkov, you know, cannot launch you out of the cage with an uppercut, so I'll go Blades. <laughs> Man. So, hey, Serena, what do wow, you think Jay, about that? you weren't uh, kidding about the name pronunciation issues, no, but yeah, no, go ahead. I, I, no, I was not <laughs> lying to you. Uh, so what do you think about uh, the John Jones uh, super fight with Francis that fell through? Um, do you think Jones ever seriously wanted that fight? I mean... He did clean out the division. Let's be real. I mean, he did clean out 205, and heavyweight is probably his next best up. Because let's let's be honest, we're not seeing him drop below one, you know, to the 185 division or anything no, like I that. that I yeah. think, I think he wanted maybe one last hurrah at you know and have it at heavyweight and get like a whole fuck ton of money and leave. But when it fell through, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I felt bad for John Jones. I'm like, look at this. Imagine any of you guys listening right now, you're in a cage with Francis Ngannou, 
for 25 minutes and you cannot escape and you have to finish the fight somehow or he'll finish it for you. Do you how much money is is your life worth? So I was kind of with John Jones on that about him whatever his price demand was because he deserves it and I believe Francis deserved a nice payday out of it too cuz it's Francis fucking Ngannou here. You know, right. if he hits a fucker any harder, he's going to like hit their heads in the stands like something out of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and see, me and Ryan were talking about it. And I came up with the theory of the reason that John Jones uh, wanted that fight is because he saw Fran- Francis's last fight while where he was obviously terrifying, but he also came just walked forward winging punches. And I kind of thought John mm-hmm. Jones saw that one. Yeah, that wouldn't be a problem for me and decided he wanted to fight him because, you know, Francis is scary and obviously has skills. But in that case, in that last fight, he didn't really use any skills. He just walked forward swinging, you know, uh, and it worked out well for him. Oh, 100%. But, but with someone with, with John Jones's skill, I, you can't do that. Uh, so I don't, I think John thought I probably saw that as a fairly easy fight, all, all things considered. Um, I could be wrong, but that's kind of what my theory was why he wanted to fight. It looked like a pretty winnable fight for him. Yeah, he might have had the movement and the fight IQ for it, but it kind of reminds me of that of the Wilder thing. Like, you have to be lucky for 12 rounds. I just have to be lucky with one punch. Mm-hmm. And it kind of it gives me those kind of vibes with John Jones versus Francis. Like, John Jones, he hits heavy and everything, but let's be real. He's no Francis Ngannou when he hits. So... All Francis has to do is land that one shot, and it would be over. But out of anybody, I think John Jones will be the one who would be able to give him the best fight. Yeah, Ryan, you said you uh, when when you and I talked about it, you basically described how John Jones would fight to win that fight. Uh, did you want to go over that again? Well, I, I think it's the same thing that anybody's going to do to beat Ngannou, and it's pretty much what Stipe did. You keep. You keep Nganu as far away from you as possible until you can get him And on the floor. (laughs) Exactly. So you're going to see Jones. He would be throwing a lot of that, you know, that teep kick to the knee that he's so famous for until he can get Nganu to the cage and get him down. And then at that point, Nganu can't hurt you. Like, that's that's where you make your money. I can certainly see mm-hmm. Nganu being the most dangerous fight at heavyweight for anyone based on the fact that, yes, one punch and your night's over. But it's not the most unwinnable fight at heavyweight. Like, you rather would take oh, that fight over Stipe or DC because they're much better overall fighters. So I think John Jones did look at it and say that's probably the biggest name with the highest chance of winning. Mm-hmm. And that's where he wants his you know, $20, $30 million. Yeah. And the biggest way to get all the eyes on him to justify getting that huge payday. So I exactly. think that was well planned out. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's and either now... that or DC. Like, those are the two biggest fights for John Jones at heavyweight. But DC has one fight mm-hmm. left, and it's against Stipe. Do you guys think that the uh, fights uh, with DC versus Jones fights would have went any different if they were mm-hmm. at heavyweight to light heavyweight? Oh, I believe it would have been because let's look at. Let's look at how drained Cormier looked at light heavyweight. Like, he didn't look great, but he looks so happy and he's fluffy over a heavyweight because people forget that's what he fought at in Strike Force, he was heavyweight. And it wasn't for the power's sake, it's for he had better movement. He was able to do more, he was more energized. And I think it might have played a, a different role, but it's one of those he things lost. I really wish I could have seen happen. Yeah, he's lost one fight ever 
at heavyweight. He's lost two fights ever mm -hmm. total, and the two people he's lost to are, you know, basically the best ever at their division. If you look at like success. Mm, that was uh -huh. interesting. That's an interesting question. Steve, do you consider uh, Stipe uh, the best heavyweight ever at this point? I mean, with the amount of title defenses he has, yeah, I would I would say he has he can have that claim for sure. Um, and I especially how he won back his belt against a really good, you know, one of the best. I mean, can we really argue that anymore? But at the same well, time, I wonder. I wonder because the heavyweight's also been shallow lately within the the UFC. Either that, or they're making it look shallow. And I wonder what's going to happen. How many times is Stipe going to run through the same people over and over again? Hmm. I well, wonder the how well. Interesting thing about heavyweight okay, is like so you're never going to get the, you know, the quote unquote super athletes at heavyweight in the UFC. It's like those guys, that 220, 230 pound guy that's just an absolute, you know, killing machine as far as an athlete goes. He's going to the NFL mm -hmm. or he's going to the NBA. Like he's making a hundred million dollars. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, in the UFC, you see, like, some of the greatest athletic guys at, like, your, you know, your 135, 145, 155, because there's not really other avenues for those guys, so they actually, you know, make it there. That's why we've always seen heavyweight not necessarily being the deepest class, and the fact where you don't see a lot of title defenses is anybody can get that one lucky shot. And it'll put anyone out at that division because just how hard those bastards hit. Yeah, yeah, that's one. Mm. That I think, and I yeah. think that's one of the reasons why the uh, some of the later later classes have had pretty long title reigns before uh, for periods. Because if you can't knock uh, that person out, it, it comes just skill versus skill. And so, did you like some of the like look at Jose Aldo? How long did he hold his title? Um, you know, mm -hmm. people got knocked out at 145, obviously, but it's not the same thing as heavyweight in any way, shape, or form. If those guys could hit like heavyweights and knock you out with one punch, he probably wouldn't have held the title that long because everybody gets hit occasionally. Oh, yeah, 100%. then on the athletic standpoint, they... like take take say George St. Pierre. If George St. Pierre was 6'2, 230, he would have never sniffed MMA. Oh, uh, absolutely. Because here's the thing with heavyweights that they have like maybe a good three minutes tops on them before they burn themselves out. Because I don't know how many people in the chat room are good at physics or remember much of physics, but I'm going to drop some shit. So an object in motion stays in motion until acted on by an outside force. Your punch or any of your strikes is that object in motion. It burns out more energy to stop your punch or your strike and pull it back to your face. It burns up more oxygen to bring your guard back up than it is to actually start winging your, your strikes out there. That's why, and because these guys are so huge, they're expending a lot of oxygen already throwing these things and then having to whip them back. And that's why they got so, they get so winded after like three minutes and everyone's like, ah, oh, this is boring now. You know, you don't have that other problem in the lighter weight classes where you see them have absolute flurries and they still got more to go in the tank, even though they're dog shit tired. Hmm. Now, um, here's a question for you guys. How do you think CPA would do during the prime time of heavyweights when it was, you know, Dos Santos, um, when it was, um, God, I'm drawing a blank. The guy that beat Dos Santos. <laughs> Kane, when so it was I think Kane, you're, yeah, I think you're talking Santos about C-level Kane. Kane before he got it. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, CeeLo Kane, Dos Santos, oh, uh, Brock Lesnar, uh, and uh, I'll throw in Shane Carwin as well because you know they're all fought around the same time. Oh God, Steve- Monster Mets Car- Carwin! Holy yeah. shit! <laughs> yeah, do you think Steve would have fought, would would have uh, done as well back then? Because I, I actually think that the heavyweight division was more skilled back then and was deep, way deeper than it was now. I think well, that was also pre-Usada too. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's also true. But I I think. Uh, a completely healthy Kane Velasquez is the most skilled heavyweight we've ever seen. Hmm. Maybe. I, could, I, could, I, could, I mean, I could that. <laughs> go ahead. Well, if, if this is with USADA rules in place and no one can do anything, I honestly think he could handle that. He could have taken out Brock Lesnar. Carwin, maybe. I mean, and as Dragnov posted that um, Dos Santos did beat Stipe, so that might be a challenge. So I think he might not be the best heavyweight in the prime time of heavyweights, but I think he could hold his own against some of them in their prime. Right. Yeah, that, that's, that'd be interesting to see it happen. And, of course, there are people that said that Pride had the best heavyweights anyways. You know, uh, uh, so if you throw them in the discussion, you know, heavyweight's a weird okay. spot. So, you know. Uh, and do you, do you think that do you, do you remember the big argument was uh, pride better you or uh, UFC better? Um, it kind of it kind of shook out that UFC was better just by attrition. But do you do you think back when they were both active that pride had the better athletes and better fighters? Oh, 100 percent. But I loved it. It was it was like fucking Disneyland for me watching that. Like, you know, the fights were better. You know, we you know, you had just the whole theatrics behind like the fighters getting out. And I fucking love Len Hart. We're st- we're actually Facebook friends. We talk a lot. Well, here and again, but she's great. I mean, just all of it was wonderful. You- Who can fucking forget Miracle Crow Cup versus Alexander Emelianenko. Fedor's mm. crazy brother. So criminally insane that Fedora is like, don't let that fucker out. His own brother, you know? <laughs> yeah. But all the heavyweight fights, like, I think Kevin Randleman was also heavyweight in Pride as well. Like, you saw all those, and you even saw cross-promotion between the UFC and Pride. Like, this wasn't heavyweight, but remember the um, final conflict in 2003? You had Chuck Liddell and, and Rampage Jackson up in this bitch. Like, oh, yeah. from heavyweight... Yeah. From heavyweight all the way down, like all the fights in Pride, I think were better athletes or just better, just better fights all around than in the UFC at that time. Rampage Jackson That's has a distinction me. of uh, having the most fights where I have said, "Oh my God, he just killed that man." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like totally <laughs> slamming people and shit. It's just it was just like, oh fuck, <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's a pretty easy, uh, answer. Uh, shit. Look at the time guys. Uh, we, we got to get out of here. Um, Serena, I would like to thank you for being on the show. Uh, you're born and welcome to come back anytime. Uh, and when you get a fight uh, scheduled, I want you back here so we can talk about it. Uh, I want to thank the OG. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. All you guys, please bug and Victor, tell them to put me on for the September card. Like that'll help a lot. So if you guys have free time to do anything today, or whatever, just please go bug them. Say, we want Serena Southpaw to fight in September, and I will be ready. Yeah, hell yeah. I uh, also want to thank the OG Army for showing up. We couldn't do the show without you. Uh, I want to thank my co-host, Ryan Big Dalton. Uh, shit, Dalton, you got anything? As always, I have two things. The first is, OG Army, you now have your marching orders. The other hey. ground is absolutely filled with fucking trolls. So if you guys cannot flood Twitter, 
Well, you guys are kind of past your prime. You might need to fucking retire. So get on it now. Go, go. <laughs> what else you got? I Ryan? love you guys. This is great. <laughs> and number two, as always, fuck all y'all. Everybody have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow at six. Take care, y'all. Thanks, Serena. That was awesome. <laughs> Do, 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 do. Screw you, hippie! <laughs>